When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast with Mark Allred, Court Lalonde, and Rob Tomlin. You can subscribe and rate our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Player.fm, SoundCloud.com, and Stitcher Radio. You can help the show financially by going to the blackandgoldhockeyblog.com website and clicking on either the Amazon.com or Fanatics.com banners to the right before shopping online. Now, time to start the Bruins Hockey Talk from three different countries. Enjoy the show! Hey, Bruins fans, welcome back for episode 88 uh, in partnership with Grandstand Sports Network, the best view in sports. Um, we, are, we are too strong today. Uh, we have myself, Mark, and, and Court with me. Court, thank you very much for joining us. No problem. I am, I am not in Poland like somebody. Yeah, I know. What's up with this guy? He's taking all the, the black and gold uh, bank funds and traveling the world on a, on a seemingly uh, monthly basis. I believe he complained all last year how he never goes on vacation. Now all of a sudden he's always on vacation. I'm not sure if it's four, three or four times, but uh, he's a lucky man. So yes, uh, kudos to you, Rob. I'm sure he's not going to listen to this, but <laughs> <laughs> who knows? But uh, it was, uh, I thought, a very exciting week last week of hockey uh, in, in the Bruins Nation. So um, let me pull up my... my um, I forgot to do this before, but okay, we the, you can start off with the the win in Tampa. Yes, that's where you start winning the last five games: Tampa, Columbus, St. Louis, Dallas, Benny. Yeah, and um, my man, my computer's slow today. It's okay, I got it. All so right. we won. We beat the Tampa Bay Lightning three nothing to Garas with a shutout. Boom. Yeah, 
and then come into uh, Columbus on Monday night, a home game, to end the uh, four-game road trip uh, and lose in overtime um, on a Cam Atkinson goal, 5-4. Uh, to four. Uh, That was a tough one. There's nothing that this team could do. It just seemed like they were overly tired. Maybe, maybe uh, a mismatch on, on assignments. I thought um, Marshan might have floated a little bit. Or, been, or the, just for that matter, been that tired. Uh, yeah, it, it looked like they were emo- like just drained. Yeah. It was weird. Um, I agree with you 100%. Yeah, it, it, I mean, those games are going to happen. It's just, it is what it is. Bad bounces. I thought I thought Tuka Rass played Played decent. I think he was one of the guys that really kept him into that game, even though he gave up four. Yeah, there was a lot of tips, like and Vanek, the the Bruins killer. Oh hilarious. god, and, that guy could just score against Boston Bruins. I know, and and that tip was unbelievable. I mean, redirecting it, it from fifteen feet out uh, was was uh, very good. And yeah, yes, and the over the, the, the it was just a bad goal. Yep. Like, you know. Grizz, Grizz is backing up. He didn't. A lot of people said he backed up into two. He didn't back up into two because just, it just. I don't know. Shouldn't yep. have. It was a bad goal. And then uh, head back on the road to start a four-game road trip uh, against St. Louis on Wednesday night, and uh, walk away with a two-to-one win. And no, uh, they lost. Oh, that's okay. I'm not. All right. I'm sorry. Yeah, they lost uh, yes. in overtime. Which is it's frustrating because Hudobin, we, we talked about uh, many episodes how he's he's been playing so good, and if you look at his record, he's only won two in his last six. Yeah, that is that is kind of troubling, but it's 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 actually the if you remember at the beginning of the year when nobody's getting on Tuca and no one's scoring, the same thing's happening now when Hudobin's in the net. Right, with so many games remaining. Um, apologize for my mistake on that one, but it That's was okay. it was the game that I'm looking at right now on Friday night against. The Dallas Stars um, in Dallas was the um, David Pasternak show at the end, correct? Which was a beautiful goal. Kind of got tripped up, but was able to keep composure and wrap the puck around. I believe it was Kari Leitinen. Yep, he was a goaltender. Yes, so uh, another solid win, and we might as well do Sunday's game um, because we didn't do a show yesterday. We are recording on the twenty sixth uh, Monday night, so. So it actually um, happened. Yeah, and uh, the Bruins walk away with another uh, a two to one victory in overtime. So uh, on on the shoulders of Tukaras playing phenomenal, unbelievable. That guy like was like big... going everywhere, and and even though he looked like he was leaving the net wide open, he got back in time to make some excellent saves. Oh, he was he was he was on the uh, on Sportsnet this morning. They they showed many of those saves. Hey. When Joe Haggerty, who hates Tuka Rask more than anybody else in the world, puts out an article on how well he's been playing, you know Tuka had a good game. Right. And and it kind of makes you subject to when when uh, Hags is going to uh, bust out an article saying, should we wor- be worried about uh, An- Anton Hudobin now? <laughs> well, yeah. But, you know, and kudos to Brad Marchand. What's that? The fifth game winner? Yeah. That guy's just... You know, sorry, overtime winner? I think it's overtime winner. Just alone, it's ten game winners and five overtime winners. Yeah, he's just crazy. Clutch. He's just clutch, man. Such a good goal last night in overtime. Like just coming down the wing, just bam. He is the Bruins, Jason uh, Justin Williams, <laughs> except with way more skill. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we cannot 
not talk about the fact that somebody, St. Patrice, was back last night. Yeah, which was unbelievable. We'll talk about that shortly after we uh, just give a quick update on the upcoming games. Uh, Since we're recording on Monday the 26th, uh, tomorrow night, they're in Winnipeg for a a big game against a big Winnipeg team this year. Uh, This team has absolutely surpassed any projections that I've had uh, to begin the season. Uh, They are an all-around team, uh, deep in depth with uh, Nikolai Ehlers, is Shifley? I'm not sure if he's playing. He's uh, playing. And Patrick Lyonne. Yeah, Lyonne is a sick. Those. I mean, Connor Hellebuck, who's in the Vezina conversations now. Yep. You met former UMass uh, Lowell kid. Um, so it's gonna it's gonna be a tough test. And believe it or not, if you think about the week ahead, you think you got we got uh, Winnipeg tomorrow night, Tampa Bay at home on uh, Thursday, and Saturday night you play. Saturday afternoon, I'm sorry, at 1 p.m., uh, you have the Florida Panthers, which are, they're not, they're in the mix somewhat. Um, I'm looking at it right now. They're on the bubble. They are three points out uh, behind New Jersey for the second wild card position. So, but they can still be that team that can play that spoiler, and they have they have uh, beaten us pretty bad in the past, even though we clinched. Even the Leafs could lose every game for the rest of the season, and Florida could get into third. Yeah. Isn't that scary? <laughs> hey, and also great news on that Saturday game. We might be seeing captains of Dano Chara back in the lineup. Yeah, Sounds like what Bruce Cassidy was saying. Him and DeBrusque, right? I, I still don't think McAvoy. McAvoy is skating. I, I, uh, I just don't see it on Saturday. Hey, you never know. But uh, I'm, I'm guessing you could say Chara is going to be in the lineup on Saturday. From the uh, updated... Injury from uh, CBSSports.com. Zidane Chares has not been updated since the 23rd, but he remains mm-hmm. as a day-to-day upper body. David Cassidy Bat- today is the one who yeah. came out. Yeah. It. When your coach says it, I think it's... Oh, yeah, go right, right. That's definite, yeah. Uh, Rick Nash was updated today as day-to-day. Charlie McAvoy expected to be out until at least April 3rd. And oh, Jay- and sorry, Bacchus will play this weekend, too. Okay, and then Jake DeBrusque is expected to be out until at least the 31st. So Yeah, now I'm guessing, if you look at it, he didn't skate till today. They said it was the first time. If you right. do the math, he right. had a concussion. Oh, it, that's is that seven days, seven games? Or, yeah. yeah, that's concussion protocol, right? Yeah, I believe so. If you do the math, like I, I was looking at it, I'm like, he had to have been out with concussion, which, you know, sucks. I know all too well, but like, I if you're Cassidy... You're saying Saturday, but if Sedan Char is even close, are you going to put him in against Tampa? Because that's the big game, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a huge game, actually. You, you know Bacchus. He pretty much said, like, Bacchus wants to play. It's just all a matter of we don't want this, you know, this cut coming open. If it's the playoffs, in your opinion, who's actually going to play? If it's the playoffs or right now, out of the guys that are not playing injured, who do you think is in the lineup the next game? Oh, the ones that are injured? Yeah, like the ones that are injured right now, if this is the playoffs, do you think they're still injured? Do you, or do you think they're playing? Like, I think Bacchus will be playing. They'll figure out a way. They'll clamp his leg together. I don't know. He's I playing. think so. I think so. Yeah. I think Chara as well. He's playing. But yeah, I mean, when you come down to the last three games, and you and I, I know that Cassidy and, and the organization really want to get you know to the top of the, the league if it's at all possible. 
uh, by surpassing the Tampa Bay Lightning for a President's Trophy. Great goal to have, but those expectations should be backed off a little bit by these uh, veteran players that are just returning from from injuries. So this might not be a bad opportunity to just to you know bite it in the lip and just say, listen, we were close. Let's not let's not overdo anything and and create a problem for our playoff expectations because you know there's players that can be called up that you know maybe deserve a call. Who knows? So. And what's to say they didn't already do that with Chara? What's to say that Chara was injured? They looking at how they were they were winning, and he could keep playing. They were like, you know what? Let's rest him. Yeah, he'll heal up. We can go throw him back in the lineup. Like hypothetical, they beat Winnipeg, which is not out of the realm possibility. It's just Winnipeg's one of the top teams in the league. Um, they beat Winnipeg. I, I I would say they try and get some of these guys back in the lineup. To, to beat Tampa and jump ahead of them in the standings because yeah. they're going to tie Tampa right with the yeah. win against Winnipeg. Yeah, right now there's yeah they're only two, they're points, two points two points behind. So and and it's, but you it's, know Blake Wheeler is going to want to win that game. Oh, exactly. That's like revenge. Um, mm-hmm. Times infinity. And I'm sorry about the President's Trophy. It, it, Nashville right now has 107 points, so mm-hmm. we'll see what happens with that. Um. Got to talk about Patrice Bergeron coming back from a 13-game absence and just seemingly fits right in like he never left. This guy is an absolute warrior, uh, a fractured foot. If I'm still, if I'm correct on that, um, comes back, plays like he never left. I mean, making the passes, getting into those areas that you'd think that he'd be shy, you know, from from going to just to. You know, while he's creating positioning and, and, and not, you know, hurting that foot anymore, the guy just did it all. And I was so amazed. Face-offs. Yeah. He was ki- killing on the face-offs. Yeah. And I think, how long ago was I in Boston? What, two weeks ago? Yeah, the 10th. And he, when I saw him there, he was on crutches with a boot. Yeah. Like, not just a, it was a boot on that foot. So, like, wow. That's all I got to say. Just wow. This guy is just... Oh, it's such a shame because he was. They were talking about it today and here in Toronto how he was in the hard conversation for them. Oh, and yeah, him going down, it just it just derailed it. And then look at the game. He comes back, comes back, and he was. I know Marchand got the winner, but Bergeron was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, definitely an inspiration to be back in the line. Uh, and and working with Brad was. It looked like they were having fun as usual. Uh, and it was weird to not see him on the first penalty kill. They were yeah. Cassidy. Cassidy said he was going to do it and did do it. He's like, I'm going to ease him back into the lineup. Although he did see a little bit of time, mm-hmm. not, not much. The the game, he was, yeah, not the much. The game, he was back out there and he was on the first power play again. Yeah, so uh, I wanted him to score though. Oh. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. Um, yeah, so we just wanted to give you a, a quick rundown of what what was uh, the week that was to the week that is coming. Um, we have a special guest uh, coming up next um, after our break. Uh, we have Matt Kalman, uh, CBS uh, Boston and NHL.com contributor. Uh, he was a fantastic, fantastic uh, interview, and I, I love having him on. I can't wait to have him on again. We did talk about making plans for a playoff appearance, so uh, we'll get to talk to him. We also, uh, later on in the show, uh, we have um, uh, Josh B., he is uh, Twitter account at Two Causeway. Uh, spent a good hour with me talking Bruins prospects, so please stay tuned for that. Uh, we're gonna wrap it up, Court. So, uh, excuse me. Uh, so 
Um, please uh, follow us on our Twitter accounts. Uh, shop our merchandise at bngshop.bigcartel.com. Plenty of inventory left for you to stock up and look good. We know our listeners are a 9, but you'll be a 10 rocking the black and gold stuff. Um, and thank you very much. I think that's it. Kind of rushed this one a little bit, but it's all good. Uh, please stay tuned for the Matt Kalman interview and uh, to Causeway, some prospects. So take care, and we'll talk next week. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that, and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Jonathan Taves. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! Joe Pavelski. And Johnny Gaudreau. We're stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! We are back after a little break, and as promised at the beginning of the show, uh, we have uh, CBS Boston and NHL.com contributor Matt Kalman with us. Matt, thank you very much for taking some time today. Oh, thanks for having me on again. It's great uh, to be here. What's up, Coit? Not much, not much. All right. Just uh, finally finally feeling the effects coming back from Boston and not, no longer having headaches. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. That's yeah. good. Glad to feel you're feeling better. When, when when people make fun of players for not traveling when they have a concussion, they could just uh, stop that right away. This is that bad, huh? Oh, it's pretty bad. Oh, it sucks big time. It is what it is. Right. Um, Still worth the trip. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. We had, I had a yeah. great time. And uh, I got to meet Matt. <laughs> yeah, hope, hopefully I get to meet Matt sooner or later on the ninth floor. I'm hoping. Maybe maybe next season. Who knows? Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Um, let's just get started. Um, and I'll go the, the NHL general me- general managed meetings, uh, from the lovely Boca Raton, Florida area last week, uh, were concentrating a lot on goaltender interference. It was a very hot topic, uh, taking up a majority of the multi-day get together. Um, do you see the, the league coming to a common ground at all in this, on this ruling or, um, and, and, and secondly, what about the offsides rule that they've been talking about too? Well, with the, the goaltender interference, I think that there's no such thing as a common ground because I think it's always going to be a judgment call. Um, you know, now that now that they've at least um, put it in the in the hands of the uh, the office in Toronto, then at least you're going to get the same people making the call over and over. So maybe you'll find some level of consistency. But I think every situation is so unique. Uh, every play is so uni- unique, and then you have everybody's different opinions. That uh, no matter what they do with it, it's always going to be an argument. I just think this is all mo- more about the fact that the referees got sick of uh, taking the criticism, and so now they're, they're passing the criticism on to to the league office here. Yeah, they didn't get they didn't take it very well uh, with the public um, from the coaches or the players. Right, exactly. I mean, they were kind of, you know, there's a lot of belly aching about it, a lot of crying about it. And, I mean, you can't blame them. I mean, the, the different rules every time. I mean, you had the one with Jake Allen here in Boston where they said he didn't make an effort to get back into the play. Meanwhile, he had been completely knocked out of the play. I don't, no one knew what he really wanted to do. And uh, you've seen ones where uh, it, doesn't, it barely knocks them over. I mean, that one last night, 
seemed to me uh, when Riley Nash hits into him, you know, uh, he didn't really rush to get up. <laughs> and, right. Uh, so that didn't really seem, but it seemed like everyone else agreed that it was goal interference. I wasn't so sure about it. In fact, he looked like he got shot. It was a very good <laughs> soccer play. <laughs> right, exactly. So, uh, you know, I hate the fact that, uh, you know, Colin Campbell's throwing all the goalies under the bus and saying that they all practicing flopping. I don't think that's true, but, uh, you know, there's always going to be some gamesmanship and there's always going to be some controversy about it. And, there's nothing wrong with controversy. I think they should just stop reviewing it and just let the referee make the call, and that's it. Uh, we went, uh, what, 90-something years without uh, the video replay, and uh, <laughs> I don't yeah, know if I right. we survived. So. But uh, I think the league actually likes this when they have all this controversy. It gives them people to talk things, something to talk about. And I, I'm guessing, especially in Canada, it's a hot-button issue that everyone's burning up the airwaves to talk about. It is is <laughs> on every, like, you know, we have, think about it here, in, in Toronto alone, we have Sportsnet, which has four stations, not, not one, four stations, and then you have TSN, which has four stations, and then you have the radio stations of each station, right. and they're all talking about this, like they were, you know, everybody gave their opinions, because I guess it was originally brought up last year, and the refs didn't want right. to give it to Toronto, and now they've gotten to the point where... Uh, they just don't want to hear about it anymore. And now they're going to have to have, what, an, a retired ref yeah. in that room at all times. And from what they're saying, like, these guys put in some ridiculous hours. Right. So. Yeah. Like this. I heard someone saying that, how are they even going to find someone to come out of retirement to do a job like that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's uh, Nick Kiprios and them were joking about that. They're right. Saying, who, who wants to take that job? Exactly. <laughs> and then, uh, well, offsides. Um and what's the controversy that they're going on? It's about the, uh, the dragging, the, dragging the foot. Yeah, it's it's not about breaking the plane. Yeah, like it used yeah, to be. Yeah. Now it's about keeping right. the foot down on the ice. And yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 a little too complicated for me. I don't quite know what the, what the why that's a, a rule. Even I mean, the breaking the plane seemed like I always thought that was the rule until this came up and they started enforcing this drag the foot thing. And yeah, I think the rule is very vague. Yeah, it hasn't been changed in a long time. Right, and I think if you if you watch now, I think guys are adjusting to it. I think guys are dragging their foot um, more often. I think that's why we've seen you know less controversial goals and less challenges. I think just like anything else, guys are adjusting to it. And if their concern is safety, I guess they don't want guys you know with their skates in the air, which never seemed to be a problem before, but. If, if that's the way they want it. I mean, I don't really see too much. Unlike the goalie at the Fierce, I don't see too many people clamoring for big change on that. And so you might as well just leave it at this point. Like I said, guys are adjusting. So if they're adjusting to it, what's the difference, right? Right. Yeah, if it wasn't for Matt Duchesne's, was it against Boston when he did it, when it was ridiculous offside? I it was just, that's so. the whole I, That's uh-huh. the whole reason this all started, right? That's the well, whole they, reason they even what? brought in the rule to video replay it. I thought there was one in the playoffs or something against Montreal that that's what everyone got up in arms because it was Montreal, I think. I forget what it was, though. Maybe it was against Ottawa or somebody. Because yeah, most, most of us here in Canada, we don't care about Montreal. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, you know, once you get the right amount of whining from the right place, then you get uh, controversy about it. But, and, you know, that's, yeah, that's another one. I could live without the challenge of it. Uh, I'm sure we could go back through the annals of the league and find – how many of Gretzky's goals might have been offsides, and I don't think oh, it was, I don't ridiculous. think it was meant to be uh, investigated that closely with super zooms and 
all oh, these think, different angles. <laughs> I think someone looked back on that game where Lemieux got the, I think it was like the, the, oh, right. the shorthanded goal, the power yeah, play yeah, goal. Yeah. The regular, I think he was off. There was an off. There's a couple offsides yeah, yeah, and right, all that. Right. I, exactly. Offsides to me, in my opinion, are the one they need to uh, not review. Yeah. It, yeah. It's just bad. Well, I think they need to change it. The fact that they can go back in so much time, like the fact that the puck can leave and come back in, like right. it's so weird. It should be the offside should be only be able to call. Say they were, and everybody, I don't know if everybody else agrees, just going into the the play, going into the zone. If it's offside going in, sure, but you can't shouldn't be able to roll back the play yeah. to win the puck. Like it just drives me nuts. Yeah, and I guess to me, if you're going to restrict it like that, and I understand why you would do that, then if you're going to restrict it like that, then just throw it out completely because then you have to get at the southern you know the nooks yep. and crannies of well did he shoot it on the rush well, what about the rebound what about if it's a tic-tac-toe play which ones count i just don't even get into that just get rid of it yeah because when i when i was at the game on uh in, in boston a couple of weeks ago i couldn't believe how many times after a goal what's the first thing the coaches do they bust yeah. the ipads it's the right. first thing they do right that's the first shot the TV camera gets. It's the guy. It's the coach's, the top of the coach's head. <laughs> so uh, to, to get back into uh, Bruin stuff, Matt, I was, I have a question for you. Um, where do you see Brandon Carlo's future now? That uh, <laughs> with his play and the consistency this year, he's he's played a couple of great games lately, and you know it's it's weird. Char out. He's played a little bit better, but. I don't know. In my opinion, he's kind of went down the depth chart. What do you think? Well, for immediate future, I mean, there's no doubt that he's on the bubble for the playoff, you know, lineup. Uh, the way other guys have played, I mean, it's kind of crazy if you look at the time on ice and the the situations guys are playing in right now without Chara McAvoy. You know, Miller and Grizzlick are your number one pair right now, and so in a way, when if Chara McAvoy come back, uh, that could kind of be your second pair, and. Uh, so then you're just filling in who's going to play with Krug and, and how much time they're going to play. And considering the experience that, uh, you know, Adam McQuaid has brought to the table and, and the things he could do for you on a penalty kill, when we know how vital special teams are. Um, that could leave Brandon Carlo out. Now, Brandon Carlo has been a pretty good penalty killer for them these past couple of years. So, you know, uh, obviously that would be a, a stiff competition and a tough decision for Bruce Cassidy. But, you know, I haven't really changed my overall opinion of Brandon Carlo's uh, overall future beyond this year. I mean, clearly he's a top four defenseman, more of a, in the stay at home mold. Um, hopefully he keeps getting stronger, gets smarter, um, you know, tougher. And, and, the, and we've seen that the past couple of games, I think where he's pushed some guys over and asserted himself, used that big body. And so, you know, that's, that's, that's what I see. I, I know at one point, some people were trying to clamor that he could have an offensive upside beyond the second power play someday. I, I just, I never saw that and I still don't see it. And, um, but that doesn't mean he can't be effective. You know, we've seen Kevin Miller's game uh, improve a little bit to where there's a little offensive upside, at least a threat to shoot. And, um, you know, that's what, that's what Brandon Carlo is going to be. And there's nothing wrong with that. You can't have everyone be a Tory Krug or even a, or Charlie McAvoy or even a Matt Grizzly. You know, you need different kinds of, uh, defense to, to combine. I think, uh, you know, he fits just fine for the future for sure. Uh, Matt with, uh, the way that Anton Hudobin's played this year, which is absolutely phenomenal from, uh, last season. Um, we know that, uh, as soon as Bruce Cassidy came on board, uh, his game seemed to pick it up. Uh, to, at the end of the season, but this season, in the beginning, he really like stepped it up and and was a key member of of this of this team turning around when Tukarask was was struggling a little bit. 
Uh, do, do you see the team giving him an extension? And if so, what's it going to cost? <laughs> yeah, the second part's hard. I'm not sure exactly what it's going to cost and whether the Bruins can actually afford it considering what they're paying uh, the number one goalie and considering, you know, the cap's going up. But, you know, and there's there's obviously other considerations you got to take into account. Uh, it, it's going to depend a lot on what Zdeno Charo wants to get, uh, what some other guys are going to fill in are going to get. Um but yeah, I think they should definitely look at this, extending him. I mean, I'm not sure at 31 if he's willing to continue to be a number two. But I think if he stays here, say another year or two, um, it's it, it's kind of a one one a situation. Some at stretches of the season where uh, we know they're not going to want to push Tuca beyond 50, 55 games a year. So you're you're guaranteed 25, 30 games here, uh, playing on a team that really emphasizes strong defense, uh, a team that has a lot of talent up front and, and you know, in, in front of the goaltenders and defense and, and at forward, the guys that can that play responsible hockey. And it's obviously a, a perfect situation here. You know, he, Hudobin found out what it was like elsewhere when he left the first time, uh, never got, got really the, uh, on track to be a number one goalie again. And, you know, he probably still thinks of himself that way that he could be a number one, but, you know, sometimes you know it's it's you're not playing. It's not like you're sitting behind Marty Brodeur or somebody like that at this point. Um, you're going to get a chance to contribute. You know that the, the coach even at times will ride you a little bit if you get really hot, like he did this year. So, um, and the Bruins, you know, with their goaltending depth, you know, Zane McIntyre is having another great year in the AHL, but you don't know that he's necessarily ready to to be the backup next year. And you, you want to make sure this competition and the rest of the goalies in this organization at this point are way young. Vladar and Swayman and um, is the kid's name DeKaiser? Kieser. Kieser. Yeah, Kieser. So, you know, you got three guys like that uh, that are still a ways off. You, you got to keep maintain that depth. And so if, hopefully they can come to some kind of mutual agreement where, he, you know, he comes back for at least one year. Maybe you give him that second year and know that if he plays well, he's, he's going to be, avail- you know, tradable. Um, the teams are going to be interested in him if, if it comes to the point where McIntyre outplays him or something else happens. So uh, we know how important the goalie situation is, and we know that uh, the Bruins wouldn't be where they were right now if it wasn't for Hudobin early in the year. And you don't want to get caught, you know, throwing Zay McIntyre into the fire next year if, if the same thing happens. Now, uh, I, I read your article today, great article. Um so uh, all, the, all the listeners out there, um, take, a, take a gander into Matt's article today about Marchand. So my question is, uh, Marchand for heart. Like, today I was literally watching Sportsnet, um, Hockey Central at noon today, and they were talking about how it's uh, McKinnon versus McDavid, but a lot of people yeah. are scratching their head on the whole McDavid, including myself. Yeah. I, just, I just don't see it when the team isn't making the playoffs 16 points out. I don't care how many points you get. You're right. not the most – you're not valuable enough. So – is it the suspension that's holding back Brad Marchand from even in the country? Because they did mention him today. They, they said he would be in the top eight. Right. Well, that's just it. I would say he's in the top eight, but I wouldn't say, you know, I keep hearing people not even considering him because, like you said, the suspension and the injury. And, you know, first off, McKinnon missed a handful of games with injury. So, you know, it's not hurting him at all. And then the suspension, I don't know if they're saying it's just because he was uh, punished that he shouldn't be considered or because of the games he missed. But in the grand scheme of things, He's a heck of a lot more valuable for the Boston Bruins team that's been ravaged by injuries all year, but is still just two points out of first place than, like you were saying, uh, Connor McDavid playing out the string on probably the most disappointing team in the whole league. Um, that's not the, t- you know, no one's taking anything away from Connor McDavid. I don't know why people can't just, especially the people you're talking about on Hockey Central and all these other, 
national shows. They they can't just separate the fact that okay, he might be the best player in the league. He's obviously you know a great offensive player, and he might run he might might wind up running away with the Art Ross by 15 points for all we know. But how does that equate to being the most valuable player on a team that's uh, you know so far out of the playoffs? And I mean, it's not even like they're just missing it. They haven't been in the race for weeks. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this, this is a snub, not just a March hand. It's a snub of Evgeny Malkin, Alex Ovechkin, Taylor Hall. These guys have done it all year long for winning teams. I, I don't know what the obsession is with McDavid being in the heart conversation at this point. I mean, at this point, you have to be, you'd be hard pressed for me to, to put McDavid in the top eight for most valuable. I mean, he's, he's obviously a, a talented player and a great player and, a, and having a great season now. But geez, what the heck? I mean, he's playing glorified exhibition games, and uh, I don't know why you—they—they're—they're they're running away with this. But I guess because you know, I guess McDavid sells, right? You know, it's like. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it, it's funny. One of the biggest backers of the Bruins on in in Toronto area is Doug McLean. He yeah. he's, he's really pushing Marchand, saying he should be there. Uh, he, he 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 earlier joked that uh, it should have been Mark Andre Fleury if you're going to throw in Connor McDavid because where Vegas is. Right. Exactly. Well, that's just it. You throw in Mark Andre Fleury. You throw in Freddie Anderson. You, yeah. I mean, there's so many. I mean, you can, you're going to factor in the goalies. Anybody from these winning teams is like a better candidate to me than uh, than Connor McDavid at this point. I mean, geez, it's like, you know, great season, good good job. But next year, you know, maybe keep, you know. First of all, it's like, like I wrote, it's so easy to stay in the playoff race till now. I mean, the mm-hmm. Islanders have been terrible for a month, and yet they're, I think they're first going to be eliminated tonight. You know, so it's like with these three-point games and the, the way this the divisions are aligned. I mean, he's in what he's got to be in the weakest division, right? The, the Pacific at this point. Yep. There are sure teams, right? So it's like you couldn't even stay in the race till March in that weak division. It's like what? So what? What? Yeah, there's, six, there's sixteen points there. Like it's, it's bad. <laughs> exactly. So you know, I mean, it's all it's all well and good. I don't know how they're, they're narrowing it down to those two guys when. I mean, gosh, you watch the way Malkin's playing, and it's it's just amazing to watch. And you, know, you look at a guy like Sean Couturier in Philadelphia. I mean, he's having a a better season for a surprisingly successful team. More, you know, much like Taylor Hall, a team that wasn't supposed to be anywhere near there. You want to you want to try to tell me that that guy, you know, is not coming on and, and a hard candidate. You know, it's like there's so many other guys in a weak year. You know, not not to like change sports here but i remember the year andre dawson won the mvp in the national league he won, hit 45 home runs and they, they finished in last place but that's because there wasn't anybody else that really you know had a big individual year that's that's what i look at it here when there's a a weak year where there's nobody on the on the like some some years when the bruins are balanced you know the year they won the president's trophy they didn't really have an mvp candidate right right that's that's different. Sometimes you'll have that, but so many individual candidates having great years. I mean, the, the year Malkin's having is amazing. The, the, you watch him play the way he he dominates the game, and then you, you watch Crosby. Even why? I don't understand what happened to the. Did the, everyone jump off the Crosby bandwagon onto the no, no. bandwagon? What's they going just, they, whenever they mention Crosby now, they just say he's the best player in the league. Yeah, it's, so you, it's fine. They're like, there's no one better. And like, I I honestly think. That Malkin probably because of Crosby doesn't get the consideration. Like yeah. they say, Taylor Hall probably could get it right. if they make the playoffs. McKinnon yeah. will get it if if Colorado makes the playoffs. And they're all right. like, "Well, they traded away Duchesne, their best player." And I'm like, "I always thought McKinnon was the best player, but mm. I guess that's just the way I look at things." 
Yeah. And then, you know, I think Ovechkin really gets the short shrift, too. I mean, the guy, what's the most important thing to do in this league? Score goals. And the guy is the best at doing it. And so, oh, we haven't even mentioned Kucherov, who's been amazing from day one, right? I mean, don't you give him some credit for being just consistent the whole year? I mean, you know, he's been right there. So, I mean, geez, there's there's just so many guys. I don't know why they're so on this McDavid bandwagon, except the drum up controversy. I mean, I don't know how many clicks they get on these. You know. Oh, I'm sure a ton. And McDavid today announcing <laughs> that he, all he wants to do is his his focus now is not even on the season anymore. It's focusing on the World Championships, playing for Canada. Oh, there you go. <laughs> like he's already given like the season's already out the door. Wow, nice. It's hilarious. Um, Matt, with the uh, the injury to Rick Nash, uh, and and I don't want to jump on um, KPD's uh, article, but it kind of yeah. makes me wonder. I mean. If, is, it, is it a concussion? Because that's what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I honestly don't. Um, never saw. I mean, I didn't see anything happen in that game. I guess it happened in Tampa. Yeah. Um, as far as I know, he finished that game, right? So, um, it, it, you know, it could be he's had, like you said, he's had concussion problems in the past. I think he's also maybe had a shoulder problem in the past at some point. So, when they see upper body, it's kind of uh, it's kind of vague. But um, I, th- well, I feel he like he was if, in warm up in Columbus, wasn't he? Um, no, oh, no, sorry. He skated that. He right, skated? he skated in the mornings. Right, so I don't think they let a concussion guy get out on the ice for a morning skate. Not allowed. Yeah. Um. So I'm assuming it's some sort of shoulder or back issue. And um, I didn't read the article yet, and I don't know how much of that. Just judging from the headline, was he really digging into the fact that Nash might not come back, or was he just trying to, you know, be sarcastic about the Bruins not revealing anything about injuries? <laughs> Yeah, I think I it was. I think it was more or less a, a coming back issue. Like if, um, yeah, if, if, is this saying the, it was his last game? Yeah, yeah. these the last remaining games because, uh, to me, if if that does happen, this just this just you know goes to my whole point on a, on a previous podcast that we talked about uh, was just a, a rental and yeah, and and did the team pay a little much for a rental? I believe so. I, I would sure. really like to see the guy resigned if if it's available, but you know. I just think that they just maybe that first round pick was just a little too much. Yeah, I mean, I never had a problem with the price. I think that they needed to do that, and I think we saw how good a fit he was when he was healthy. I mean, this was going to be a a difference maker. But I mean, I'm not so sure where I'm counting him out at this point. Where they got six left, eight, eight left over two weeks, like over, yeah. right? So I mean. And you, you're expecting to go at least two rounds deep at this point. I mean, that's, right. that's a lot of time. I, I don't. I mean, I mean, I don't know that I'm counting him out. Uh, they're obviously not rushing people. I mean, they didn't take half the team on this road trip, right? And didn't want to rush anybody. And um, you know, I mean, just the fact that he's not on the ice yet doesn't really say to me. I mean, what if it's just like a a little shoulder or neck problem that's keeping him out at this point? I can't see why he might be on the ice, you know, Wednesday or Thursday and be able to play on the weekend. That there's no, uh, you know, minimum amount of time that he has to practice before he gets back. If depending on what it is, um, you know, at the very least by next week, he could, he could be back. I mean, so I don't know if, if KBD has some sort of inside info on what it is or what, but I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to count the guy out at this point. They're not going to, like I said, they're not going to rush anybody back. They're obviously loving the opportunity to see what Donato can do. As long as they're burning a year of his deal, they might as well let him play a little bit. And you know, there's, there's so many options at this point. Uh, you want to bring that guy back a hundred percent. You could, you know, wait until the playoffs start, even if you had to. Well, now they, now they bring it up. I just want to follow up on that with, with help, with healthy players coming back. 
what's mm. going to happen to a player like Donato? Yeah, that's a good question, right? That's yeah, because that seems to, yeah that seems to be the thing that's going on Twitter is is yeah. is a lot of people are saying coaches are predominantly going to go with their experience and yeah. he he could be the guy that's uh, that's watching and you know I it, that's sad to say because he's been doing so good in his limited time in the NHL. Yeah, it is the, it is hard to say especially since he doesn't have the experience per se, but he's playing like he's experienced. I exactly. Mean, what you gotta like about the kid is the fact that uh, he's not intimidated. He's not getting pushed around, and he's a he's a he knows where to go. Not just to go to the dirty areas, like they say, but just he's in the right positions. You know, kind of the way Marshan and Bergeron are, kind of in the passing lanes and kind of knowing how to be responsible, but then how to attack when he has to. And he's obviously got chemistry with Krejci. So um, I wouldn't count them out. I mean, it's, it'll. This is the way I look at it. You know, if everyone is healthy, the whole team, your first line, your fourth line is set. You know what those what those six guys are going to be. You know, Krejci's the center of that second line. Nash is probably the center of that third line with Backus on the right wing, and then Heinen, Donato, Rick Nash. Well, Rick Nash is Rick Nash is healthy. He's the right wing on that second line, right? So then you have the two left wing spots open and. Is it Donato? Is it DeBrusque? Is it Heinen? Gianta? I mean, it can go different ways. I guess you would count Gianta out if everybody's healthy. You wouldn't really want him playing that left side. And then he's got three guys for two spots. And I guess it's whoever's hot. I mean, and it might even actually be, you know, that Jake might be the odd man out just because he hasn't played. If he's rusty, depending when he comes back, you don't necessarily want to throw him into a playoff series off the bat if you have Donato and Heinen going pretty good. So... You know, it'll be a hard decision, but I don't think I don't think that Donato should be ruled out at all. Now, I was going to ask it last, but because we're talking about him now, um, do you think that because of his experience playing with um, um, Gianta and the guys in the Olympics, is the reason we're seeing the player we're seeing now? Like, I understand the colleges are different than the juniors that I watch here here in Canada all the time. And a lot of players seem um, able to make that jump a lot easier. But do you think that playing that caliber of hockey played in the Olympics is what's made him more comfortable? Made him look like how when McAvoy came into the playoffs and he just looked ready to go? Um, you know, it's hard to say that. Um, I think it definitely helped convince the Bruins that they could do this. Um, I don't know if they necessarily would have you know, bet so heavily on him if uh, he was just coming straight out of college without having that experience. I mean, clearly he got a confidence boost from it. I, I don't think anyone shied away from that. And um, not, it's. I mean, obviously we're talking about the Olympics too. It's not like he was playing against you know the best of the best. Clearly, it was a kind of a B a B tournament this year. So I think someone made the, yeah the C tournament. I mean, think about the <laughs> NHL guys. Were that. Exactly. So you know, it's hard to say, but I just think. And I only saw him play a couple of times at college, and it's hard. It was really hard to judge then because. I didn't really see the best competition when he was even within the ACAC when I saw him play, but I think he's just a special kid. I think uh, I think it definitely helps to have the father experience, you know, not just as the coach, but as the guy who's been there and has kind of instilled everything in him. I think he's very coachable. I think because when you have your dad as a coach, he's going to be harder on you, and I think you learn mm-hmm. very quickly how to do exactly what the coach says to do, or you know, it's going to be a hard time for you. And I think that's an understatement. Just, he just has the instincts. I think, you know, I, I honestly didn't see Teddy play a lot. I didn't really follow hockey too closely in the early 90s and when he was, you know, really playing well. But um, from all everything I've heard and, and what I did see a little bit, just he had the instincts, but maybe didn't, didn't have all the, the talent. And 
made a great career out of it. And I think uh, this kid has all the tools to go with those, you know, natural instincts of uh, of how to play the game and how to play it right and, and play what's become a Bruins style, you know, not the Bruins style has changed. It's not Milan Lucic putting you through the glass. It's playing fast. It's playing hard, you know, playing with it with a toughness, but not uh, not knocking people over, blowing past people. And he's, he kind of just fits that. And you have to give him credit because let's face it, when, he, when they drafted him in the second round, I think he was a little bit of a reach. I think people had him lower, going lower down, and he kind of looked like a little pipsqueak. And you're wondering what kind of uh, you know deal there was going on between Donnie and, and Teddy to get this kid drafted. And you can see the speed, but not much else. And it's amazing the the three the three years here, or whatever it's been, considering he didn't even you know playing at Dexter School couldn't have been that much of a boost there for that one year. He didn't really test himself for a year, so. You know, all credit to this kid. He's what he's done to himself you know, to take advantage of the time you have at college. He said it in the summer. I'm I'm gonna take the time to become a pro. You know, I, I want to help Harvard win, but I'm gonna learn how to do all the off ice stuff, the workouts, the diet, uh, everything it takes to be a pro and and play my best. And he's been true to his word in every way. Uh, Matt, uh, <laughs> the seventh player awards coming up, um, and I, I really want to know your choice and why. <laughs> And also, this was a, um, a tidbit that I got from a, a, a Twitter follower. Uh, do you think it's crazy that, that uh, Patrice Bergeron has never won? Yeah, I don't know. Who won it in, the, in his rookie year? That would have been the year he would have been the, the one to get it. Depends who won it in uh, 2004, was it? There was a lockout the, year, uh, wasn't it? Uh, well, the year before the lock, the, the okay. 03 season, his rookie year. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he had, yeah, he came out. Obviously, came out of nowhere. Was drafted that year, and um, but other than that, I think it's it's just always been kind of um, expected of him. I mean, you, after that year, he had that huge year in the AHL, and uh, by fifteen sixteen, when they came out of lockout, he was one of the stars on this team. Especially, they traded Joe Thornton a month into the uh, season there. So yeah. That uh, you know, so I think what, that's what year, Raycroft. Oh, there you go. So there you go. I bet you, if if you if they had released the voting, it probably been Bergeron would have been second to Raycroft. I bet so. Yeah. So Raycroft in 03, 04, right. and then you did have your lockout, and then you have Tim Thomas. Tim Thomas. Yeah. yeah right. Tim Thomas starts winning it every year. So <laughs> the great. Oh, and hey, guys, Tuukka Rask won it, but you know. Did he really? Yeah. Oh, 09, 10. <laughs> That's funny. The Tim Thomas thing is the best because when he said, when he won it the second time, he said, I guess, uh, you know, I have, they have really low expectations of me. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like, how do you win that twice? But I guess if you look back, Bill, Bill Guerin used to win the damn thing. and Yeah, he, he won it twice. Yeah. Yeah. So. Teddy Donato won it, 96-97. Oh, there you go. That's great. And Passes uh, won it twice. And Marshans won it twice. Yeah, so there you go. I mean, I guess you know, I guess maybe one of the year that Bergeron maybe would have won it was the year he scored the first time he scored thirty. You know, not not the not when when he was young, but like when he got older and had that first thirty goal year, and it looked you know no one was expecting him to be the player he is now offensively, and he suddenly popped up and and had that thirty goal season. So you know, but there's always, especially since they've they've been giving it to rookies a lot, you know, stuff like that. So it's it's always a tough uh, tough one to predict because you never know which way the fans are leaning. But uh, I mean, if if I was the uh, picking, anyway, I would obviously be Raleigh Nash. I mean, no no one saw Riley Nash. Was he have sixteen goals now? So no one saw that happening for sure. I mean, if you asked me in October, I would have said he might have been the odd man out with all these kids coming. That uh, at some point he would have been a healthy scratch. 
and here he is. He's been your first line center for a month, and he's produced like it. It's pretty amazing to watch uh, that guy play and kind of fill the, p- the potential that he was a first round pick. You know, it's it's easy to forget that. So to follow that up, you talked about you know no one expected. Who do you see coming back next year out of the UFAs? Because it's tough. It is. I mean, uh, I mentioned Hudobin. I think uh, that's definitely one you want to keep. Um, you know, Riley Nash, if you look at it, there's a lot of guys playing his position, and this whole Ryan Donato thing might end up being the difference between him coming back and not, because if you can go down the middle, Bergeron, Krejci, Donato, that's pretty good. And hmm. uh, I'm not sure Riley Nash wants to be a fourth-line center, and I'm not sure he'd be the fit there. I mean, uh the way this fourth line is where is clicking at this point, you know, it's pretty good. Um, what's it? Tim Schaller's the UFA, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a tough one too. Cause if you're going to get these kids coming up, you know, maybe Jesse Gabriel's going to be in the mix next year. And, uh, so, you know, obviously I think, I think fourth lines are really starting to go in a different direction. And I think we're kind of seeing it with this one where, you know, Schaller has some pretty good skill for a guy on the oh, fourth he does. line. Absolutely. Exactly, and I think Corrales coming around, and you know Noel comes and goes, and so Wingles. yeah, Wingles is is an interesting one too. I mean, you might bring him back and not bring Schaller back, because Schaller might actually be pricing himself out because people see what what he can do, uh, and we've seen that he's played up in the line before. I mean, this year they haven't done that as much because they don't want to break that line up. They don't want, you know, it's like Bruce is definitely thinking that he'd rather keep the fourth line together than, you know, break up all his lines to play Schaller in a more prominent role. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this goes. I mean, all these guys that are coming out of college now, you know, how ready is Trent Frederick going to be by the fall? I mean, is he a guy that they might give a taste or is he a guy that they might want to do a DeBrusque full year in, in or Heinen full year in Providence? You know, it's hard. I guess this, this couple of weeks down there is, is to test that. And then you'll have Bjork coming back too. So, uh, there's not a lot of room for guys at this point. And, you know, the Rick Dash thing will be interesting, too, because whether he plays again or not, um, I know, you know, he probably doesn't want to move too much. And so it would probably just come down to a choice between Boston and New York. And, you know, you're not so sure whether the Rangers want to go down that road again at this point. I mean, they're in a total different place financially and uh, with their depth. And uh, you would like to see Dash play with Krejci a little more and see if he really starts to like it here. But, you know, it's obviously that that'll come down to price too. I don't think he's going to be as cheap as some people tend to think he's going to be at this at this age. When you consider what Patrick Marlowe got at 38 years old, I don't think 33 year old Rick Nash is looking to take a bargain at this point. Yeah, or even what Backus got, right? Right, exactly. I mean, well, that might be a, more of a comparable. I mean, because they obviously overpaid a little bit on that, and you know, so but the guy's going to want to be comfortable. And I, like I said, I don't think there's going to be too many places he's going to consider. He seems like. He's an East Coast guy for sure at this point and uh, has the family and kind of – I don't think he wants to be bouncing around, you know, Jerome McGinley style or anything like that too much. Uh, Matt, last question for me. Um, are you a member of the Professional Hockey Writers Association? I am not. Okay. I'll, I'm going to continue this question anyway because I kind of okay. sure. catered to this. Um, if you were a member – would you be happy with your vote for awards being exposed to the yeah, public? Absolutely. I mean, I when I was in the in the association before I worked for NHL.com, I uh, I always published my votes. I think okay. I pretty much did it. 
I don't know if they if they had any rules about it at the time, but I used to just put them up in my blog back then. I didn't care. Um, you know, that's that's it's not uh, a vote for president or something. It's like right. No, I don't I, know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why everyone's so you know torn about that. I don't know what the issue is. It's like if you're gonna you know you're whether you're a beat writer or a columnist, you're paid to make these decisions. And why wouldn't you want to? Hey, it's a it's a free story right you don't have to write work that day you just publish your ballot <laughs> exactly <laughs> I, I think more or less it was the is the backlash that it could cause from like people on yeah. social media that just want well, to attack everything that you know they think is wrong yeah well you know what though own up to your votes i mean you see sometimes the, the results you know they publish the results they publish every vote recorded and you'll see like the year that i remember the year tyler sagan got a selkie vote it's like own up to that. Who the hell did that? <laughs> or someone gave Kruger Norris vote last year, remember? Yeah, exactly. I mean, come on. You're, are you being silly about it? And it's the same thing. I mean, this probably goes back to the Baseball Hall of Fame where guys are always voting for their friends. You'll always see two or three votes at the end for some, you know, fifth starter who was a nice guy to somebody and got a vote. And it's the same thing. It's like if you're going to throw a vote in because a guy's nice to you or something, then, you know, own up to it. I mean, geez, it's not – it's not the end of the world, and if if you can't take the social media backlash, then stay off social media for a couple of days. I mean, <laughs> or just don't make a stupid vote. I mean, what's the difference? I mean, you know, I always say that the uh, you know that lady big voting is such a toss up. I mean, you could vote for a thousand people. I don't even know what they base it on. You know, Lady Bing. They don't for some reason defensemen can't win Lady Bing. I never heard you can't have a gentlemanly defenseman. So that's one that's always. I bet you would see some funny things, and it would just get a good laugh. I mean. Randy Carlo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who was it that was saying that? Uh, I don't know if it was Hockey Central or it was. Um, it might have been on Nessa. They were talking about maybe Chara should be like a Lady Bing because he could kill you and he doesn't. So genuinely, <laughs> that way, you know, it's it's true. It's like so that would be you know the one thing I'd be like a little embarrassed if I threw something in and then I'm sure somebody would find something wrong with my you know fourth place lady bing to tell me that oh this guy got in this fight once or he spit on somebody i don't know it's like <laughs> but whatever just have a laugh about it don't take it so i hate people that take this stuff so seriously and most of the time i try to stay out of awards debate at all i mean i bet you that marchand story i wrote today on the heart i bet you that's the first awards centric story i've written in years because it just gets so silly and people take it so seriously and it's just you know what you know what? The the fans and the media care more about these awards than the players do. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, if they're not getting bonus for it, they don't care. Exactly. <laughs> cool. You good? Yeah. Well, I got I got one, I got one more. Okay. One really quick one. What do you think the grade is now? With with the whole trade deadline is what? It's been a month now since it's happened, and everybody freaked out. Like people <laughs> were losing their mind over third round draft picks and this oh, and that. God. What grade do you give now after a month now after what Sweeney did? For for Sweeney or for the team or for Sweeney? What what he pulled yeah, off? I'm, like, I mean, I don't remember what I gave him the last time uh, I talked to you, but it's, it's got to be a, a B plus or an A minus. Yeah, I guess an A minus at this point. I mean, the Rick Nash thing was working. Uh, Holden's been huge. I mean, where would they be if they had to put Paul Postma in the positions that Nick Holden is in right exactly, now? Right? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and Tommy Wingles, whatever he is, what he is. I mean, that, that draft pick, you can recoup that draft pick so easily. I mean, first of all, you can trade, you know, somebody's rights or something and get a low pick, and or you can, you know, with, with the way the college free agency is, and we don't know if they're gonna, you know, maybe catch this Brickley kid or someone else who's out there. Um, I wouldn't worry too much about that. What, what was it? A third that they gave up? Yeah, I wasn't worried about anything. I mean, it's just crazy. I mean. 
I freaked out it, about it a little bit, but <laughs> it was only like a day or two. And I calmed I mean, look, down. Look at it also. I mean, they're getting these kids to leave school early, too. I mean, I didn't know Trent Frederick was coming out that quick. I mean, they're going to be so loaded up. You don't even want to use that draft pick because you can't have too many contracts and you can't have any too many guys coming up for deals. So right. Yeah, like, what are you, you know. going to do? Like, Calgary needs picks. We all know that now. That's the biggest <laughs> joke in the line. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, this you can't blame them for the trade deadline. And you, you know, it's one of those years where everything they've uh, – Touch turned to gold. I mean, you can't. And every time they plug one of these kids in, the guy scores and does something great. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I think. But Jabra scored in his first game. Donato scored in his first game. McAvoy scored in his first game. And look what well, a, uh, regular season game. I should say yeah, McAvoy. Yeah. Right. And look what uh, Grizzlick's turning into. And it's just amazing. You got to wonder if this. It, it, you can't imagine that this run could keep going like this, right? I mean, they're not gonna. But who knows? I mean, I don't, I don't know what to say. I just knocked on wood there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, everybody, please uh, go find Matt Kalman on Twitter. He's at Matt Kalman. Uh, read his work at cbsboston.com and NHL Network, uh, NHL.com. Matt, thank you so much for uh, joining us again. Uh, right, always a great me. guest and, and hope to get to talk to you uh, during the playoffs sometime if you have, some, have a moment. Yeah, that'd be great. I'll definitely do that. Thank you, guys. Thanks for coming on. Awesome. Thank you very much, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, sounds good. Have a good night. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Ben Bishop. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! Andy Green. And Ryan Miller were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! Puck gets onto the skate of Nikki Petty and Jack Stanika, shorthanded breakaway, scores! Tucks it in underneath Cole Cece, and it's a 1-0 Oshawa lead. Now McLeod mishandles and Donato tries to make a pay. Here's Donato. In deep, Ryan Donato curls and scores! A highlight reel goal for Ryan Donato. In front, and that's Trent Frederick on the one-time redirect. Frederick with his fourth, and Team USA now up 8-2. to two. Hey, Bruins fans, welcome back for another exciting week of uh, Boston Bruins prospect talk, um, as always, and, um, and hopefully for the for the near future, my friend Josh B. is, uh, is uh, going to join us. He's here with me now. He writes for ShippingUpToCauseway.com website, does a fantastic job updating uh, everything that's going on in Providence and, and other areas of the American Hockey League. So, Josh, welcome back again, sir. Been Mark. a pleasure. Always good to be here. Yeah, man. I love talking prospects with you guys. So uh, pretty exciting week, I got to say, for the uh, for the Providence Bruins. Last night they played uh, against Lehigh Valley, and uh, they played the night before that against Lehigh Valley. And, man, what games. Holy cow. Yeah, I, I it, it basically all started last week um, on Saturday night um, mm. when, the, when the Lehigh Valley Phantoms shut out the Providence Bruins uh, three to nothing. But... Um, I'm, I'm going to go back to the, to Sunday's game 
uh, Sunday afternoons. No, there wasn't a game last week. Yes, there was. Oh, there was. Um, yep. Actually, I got it right in front of me. So they played Bridgeport, and that really started uh, the week uh, for us to, to talk to. And and currently, as of last night, they're on a three-game winning streak. So uh, let's jump right in with that. Um, on Sunday, March 18th, 2018, from the Dunk in Providence, Rhode Island, the um, the Providence Bruins came out with a, a pretty good 4-1 to victory over the uh, Bridgeport Sound Tigers. Um, uh, first period, Providence uh, Connor Clifton uh, scores his fourth from Cross and Frederick at the, I'm sorry, 040, 40 seconds into the period, uh, gets things started. Uh, st- remaining in the first period, uh, Providence Austin Zarnick scores his 21st from Agostino and Postma on the power play at 818. And Jordan Swartz scores his 19th from Zarnick and Fitzgerald at 1152. Uh, jump into the second period. Uh, Providence Jakobs Borrell uh, scores his second professional goal uh, from Hennessy and Hughes at 1555, which was a sweet move coming oh, from the blue line and just I was roofed say, it. Absolutely. What a snipe by that guy. And if you watched his form taking that shot, Mark, I don't know as if I've seen a better wrist shot taken than that was. I mean, everything about it, you kind of saw him catch the puck and cool as a cucumber too. Like he just looked like he was, he, he knew it. He knew he was going to score on this and he just caught the puck, scooped it, did a nice little kind of drag in with a swan dive and the puck was in the back of that before the goalie or anybody else realized it. It was a beautiful goal. Yeah, I um I, I watched that game myself and and that goal and I was quite impressed with that. He had the the little leg lift going on, the off balance exactly. leg lift, which I thought might have uh, gotten um goaltender Guzleski um off off balance a little bit and kind of went down a little early with the uh the body fake. But uh regardless, uh, uh in all pro shot right there. I, I was impressed with the way he maneuvered along the blue line and worked his way down in between the uh a uh, little before the hash marks, but regardless nice hockey, it was a good hockey IQ move too, because you're right. He knew exactly where to go kind of based on the puck movement. So not only was the shot good, but his maneuver right into where he should be was also top notch. Um Jump into the third period in this game against Bridgeport. There was no scoring, so uh, it ends in four to one in regulation. Uh, shots on goal were Providence forty three to uh, Bridgeport's forty five. Um, a lot of shots in uh, lately um, for the Baby Bees, which is good, but uh, they're definitely capitalizing on their opportunities. Um, the, power, the power play was one for three. And McIntyre got the win. Um, also to note that the attendance has been increasingly better at, at the Baby B's games. And and this one had uh, just over 9,100 uh, fans in attendance. So, Yeah, it's a, people are taking notice. And uh, you know another good thing about that game is after getting shut out in Lehigh Valley, we're talking Allentown, Pennsylvania, which is not exactly next door. They come home and play a 305 matinee and come out with their hair on fire against a team that usually kind of has that gives them problems. I mean, up till that game, uh, Providence was four four and one against the Bridgeport Sound Tigers, so they came out 
strong against a team that was giving them kind of issues. And it just speaks to their character. I think that they're, as the season has gone along, the baby bees have kind of you've, – you've seen the poise really develop amongst the young kids who are developing at this stage. And, man, it was, it was, it was a real character win in addition to being a good stats win as well. And speaking of character win, uh, great segue there, sir. We gotta we gotta talk about the game on Friday night, uh, March twenty third against the uh, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, the division leading Lehigh Valley Phantoms uh, from the Dunkin' Donuts Center. Uh, this this one, I mean, regardless, it's two points. We're looking at this win as a potential second, maybe third round um, matchup in the playoffs, oh, called the Cup playoffs. So, oh yeah. Um, Frustrating for me. I, I don't like seeing games like this because it, you. It. I don't know what happened to the defense. Um, mm-hmm. It was just too back and forth to me. Couldn't hold the lead. It's it just very uninspired hockey to me. But they did put it together to get the win off of the best team in the in the Atlantic. So, um, starting off in the first period, uh, Ryan Fitzgerald. This was uh, this was his show. Uh, it was. He scores his 16th from uh, Zarnik and Johansson at 10:07. Uh, we jump to the second period. Uh, Colby Cave, who's uh, been hot lately, uh, scores his 10th from Clifton and <clears throat> Sol- Solaric at 5:05. And Providence Trent Frederick, my boy, scores his yep. first professional goal at 11:05. It was kind of a weird goal too, if I remember. It just looked. It was. He was at the side of the net, and all of a sudden. The puck was in the net. Yeah, from what I got is it was basically like a two-on-one, a two-on-one-and-a-half kind of situation. <laughs> yeah. And they, they were all crashing the net. And it looked like Trent meant to pass it, but it, then it hit something and it goes into the net. Regardless of how it goes, it's his first professional yeah, exactly. goal. And he was good, excited about it. So Good for him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Italian is Italian is Italian. Yeah. That was, it was sweet. Because I saw who, exactly who scored the goal, and you're like, yeah, you you, Ex- you got excited about that. Oh, I it's, did, too. It's nice, to, it's nice to see these kids hitting the score sheet. Like, this is, this is, it was a good, it was a good moment. And uh, to round off the second period, uh, Josh Hennessy scores his 10th from Solaric and Agostino at 1844. Uh, no Providence Bruins goals in the third period. In overtime, Providence Ryan Fitzgerald scores his 17th from McIntyre at 106 in the overtime. Which was, I mean, not, you know, I, I, I sorry I got to describe it like this, but McIntyre had some big cojones because he could have covered the puck up. Instead, he throws the puck out to Fitzgerald, who just stomps right down the ice, marches right down there, kind of dipsy doodles around the defense, and kind of dipsy doodles around Dustin Tokarski, who was in the Lehigh net. And who's having a great season. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Tokarski is no pushover. So for Fitzgerald to go and not only fake out the defense, but then to fake out Tokarski as well. I mean, that was that was a sweet play. That was really the Ryan Fitzgerald show on Friday night. Certainly was, and and, and you know, let me. We'll just. I want to get on Ryan Fitzgerald, but let me just finish this up real quick. The shots on goal for Providence were thirty-four to thirty-one. Uh, the power play was zero for two. Uh, McIntyre with the win, uh, twenty-seven saves on thirty-one shots. 
and the attendance again was up high at uh, over 9,200. So it, Ryan Fitzgerald is is just to me becoming the really quiet prospect that with tremendous ups upside, mm-hmm. and he's he's another one that's subjected to the stat watchers that he's just mm-hmm. not pr- producing properly or or gauging the game properly, but. For those who do see the do watch the games, and and I follow a bunch of guys on Twitter that uh, that like yourself and and a few others that you know put the time in to watch the AHL live feeds if, when we can't be there in person, and I've been tremendously impressed with him. I like he does his, all the he does all the little things so well. Yeah, and I like the way he's he's got skill, speed, and aggressiveness. Those are those are three major things that I look at as in a developing player. I mean, if you don't have aggressiveness, you're basically and I don't want to say this the wrong way, but you're like a Gretzky on the ice. You have you have two great attributes, but you're missing one important thing in, in a game like you know, the the speed and and the style of today's game. When you have all those attributes together, it makes you a good pro. And he is a good pro, and I believe that he will be in the mix in the Boston Bruins sooner or later. Uh, he's got ties to uh, Massachusetts. He's got ties to the Bruins with his father. Uh, you know, spending a uh, short time with in Boston. So, I, I believe he's gonna he's got, he's got tremendous upside. But it's just when is he going to be able to fit into this National Hockey League lineup with the current contract? So, uh, I want to say honestly that <clears throat> once Tim Schaller departs the Bruins, because I think Schaller is playing himself into a raise that the Bruins probably can't afford. Ryan Fitzgerald is going to be the next Tim Schaller. That's my that's my current projection. I mean, that's subject to change, but he just has that kind of workman utility role that I think Fitzgerald's going to fit it right in there and just going to slot right in with probably little to no need for transition. He's just got he's that far along in his development. Yeah, and and there's a lot of people that say that Solaric is it could be that kind of person that could take over a player like Schaller too, but you need that center guy though. And and what I like about Solaric is he's versatile on the wing. Absolutely. Um, you know, I I have seen him take a few draws and so on. He's a big guy and and you know could muscle his way into winning a faceoff, but he's generally a guy that I'd like to see on the uh, wings. On the wing. Um, yeah. My only concern about. Um... <clears throat> Peter Chalark is that uh, he's he's an injury he's kind of injury prone. It seems like every time that he's gotten his shot, I was actually just talking about this with Ty. Uh, he, he by the way, by the way, what's up with you and all this all this forward movement? You know, you're talking to like me, which is 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 naturally cool. Um, and 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 Ty Anderson from WEI. I mean, you're taking a huge step in uh, into your progression in your own little project. I mean, Mark, honestly, I think what started it all was talking to you guys. And I mean, and I don't mean like to, you know, blow sunshine up your ass, as I like to say, but I think once I started getting into just talking on a more regular basis, it started to become more natural and it started to become, hey, I can, you know, I can ask things of other people and I don't feel like I'm being kind of a nudge i think that's my that's one of my problems is that i'm like i think i'm too annoying sometimes <laughs> so <laughs> so like when i go to ask people for stuff i'm like oh geez i hope that they're not like oh that that annoying guy so no, it's good i think being able to talk to you kind of on a more consistent basis has 
it's almost been empowering. So I really appreciate this prospect talk, not just for the fact that we get to talk, but for the fact that it really contributes to a better sense of self-worth about the projects that I'm doing. So, you know, I, I, one of those things I just got to say, hey, thanks. Appreciate it. Oh, no problem, dude. It's been a real pleasure having you aboard. And I just wanted to throw that out there. You know, um, thank, you, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. It's uh, no, you're doing a great job. And, and that's, that, that's the same thing that I did not to get off topic here. But I was the same kind of way. I was just like, you know, I really shouldn't be asking these people because they have jobs and they're really busy. But the gratifying moment is when they did respond to you. Mm-hmm. And they did want to talk to you and generally be a good person. There's a lot of people out there, uh, Boston Bruins writers, that I'm I'm really not a fan of. That I have asked, <laughs> I have asked questions and and gotten the, uh, you know, do your own research and blah blah blah. So, uh, regardless, it's it's just it's a step forward for you. You're doing a great job, and and appreciate it. You know, I, I wish nothing but the best, and I'm wicked I'm wicked thrilled that that we can I can have somebody else to talk prospects with, not just. Um, you know, be the puppet guy in, in reading um, anything that I wrote. So it's just good to have oh, a yeah. voice in the, yeah, in the yeah, mix, yeah. you know. Exactly. And I feel like the more that we talk about stuff like this and kind of get more of a dialogue, like a back and forth going, it seems like the prospect talk becomes more of a – it it it, it t- kind of takes on a life of its own. It seems like it's become more of a living, sentient being instead of just being, like you said, kind of something that you read off a page and, you know, you kind of – it, it's kind of not like dull, but it's kind of it's it's like one dimensional. Now there's two people talking. It's more multi-dimensional. It, there's just a lot more depth to it because you get two different angles. It's it's cool. It's really really cool, and I appreciate that we gotta get the this whole dialogue like I was saying going. Yeah, um, I I just think it's cool that you bring in the big words, you know, the big college education words to the show. <laughs> <laughs> I guess having a degree does kind of help. I'm I'm learning myself. So <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I feel like I bring a lot of the uh, five dollar words no. along with me. <laughs> no, that's cool. One of my nicknames in college was actually Webster because of some of the random words that I would pull out of the dictionary that people would be like, "What is that a real word?" That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh... Anyways, get back to Chilaric. I mean, yeah, I feel like he's. He's got it. He's got that kind of NHL development, and I think he can be more of a regular if he stays healthy. It's just you can't plug somebody into a lineup that's a big question mark on the durability side. That if you're, you know, if you don't know that he's going to be in there reliably, how can you make a spot for him? It's kind of like, um, let's say you have a boss who's, uh, who you take a bunch of sick days, and your boss starts thinking, hey, can I actually trust this guy? Like, is he going to be reliable? Is he going to be there to kind of fulfill his role so i think that's what's going on with chalaric unfortunately because peter's such a good guy i mean he's such a good guy on the ice and off the ice too if you ever get a chance to talk to him he's a good character yeah Yeah. um Um, getting back to the weekend games um last night and this this contest didn't go back and forth like it did on friday night (laughs) oh my goodness this was so i barely sat down in my seat before they had scored the second goal yeah this one was what I call bipolar by by far uh, this weekend. <laughs> yep. And you know, and I I gotta say this too. This was Star Wars weekend, so and I'm really not into Star Wars. I did not enjoy those uniforms at all. It was very confusing <laughs> for me. Uh, I couldn't see numbers. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Providence Bruins feed on AHL Live isn't great anyway. But then you add <laughs> the element of those. Desired. 
damn jerseys. And it's like, you know, I just had, I love the two points that they, the four points they got, they snuck out of the weekend. But that whole Star Wars thing was just a little too much for me. But regardless, I, I, am I am I to believe that this was for a fundraiser? Uh, it might have been. I really, truly do not know off the top of my head. If it was, but for, I mean, if it was for a great... Has, that adds a better dimension onto it, though. Yeah, if, I mean, if it was for a fundraiser or a good cause, I, I get it. And I understand it. And, and kudos to everybody that went because it was a jam-packed weekend. And, Ooh, yeah. and, and if that's your thing, that's your thing. I understand, but... I just minor league hockey just really bites on to all this stuff, and that's why yeah. I really like the NHL, and they won't do it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. they they can be a little gimmicky at times, unfortunately. But you try to see through the gimmickiness of it and just watch the guys play their game. Yeah, and it is for family fun, and I get that too, that whole element. But I just mm-hmm. you know, it just seems like it's getting crammed down your throat on a daily yeah. basis. But <laughs> um, we got to talk about this game anyway. Uh, the Lehigh Valley Phantoms come back to the dunk for the second game in as many nights, um, and 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 what a change! Uh, the first period, uh, Colby Cave scores his eleventh from Agostino and Tommy Cross at one oh one in the power play. Um, I'm really liking the way these Bruins are, are attacking in the first like couple minutes and getting these goals lately because they were on the end of giving up the goals within a minute, and a lot had to do with uh, the Zane McIntyre factor. Um, but uh, Cave on the power play, uh, and Providence, uh, Peter Solaric scores his 10th from Agostino and Cross at 321. Uh, great to see Peter back in the lineup. He's been, like you said, been injured. Uh, the second period, uh, Providence, Zach Senishin, my boy, scores his 9th from Bleeding Cave at 529. And uh, Providence, Juna uh scores his Kompanen. Uh, scores his first from Hargrove and Lozon at 19.01. And then jump into the third period. Providence Kompanen. I, I can't say that name. It's terrible. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. Scores Luna his. Kompanen. Yeah. <laughs> I got to read that sheet um, <laughs> on the uh, the Providence Bruins media thing. Um, yeah, he scores from Hargrove and Zaboral at 3.13. Uh, his second uh, career. Uh, professional goal, um, which is a good one. He played very well last uh, last night. Uh, Providence Solaric scores his 11th and the second goal of the game from Agostino and Emil Johansson from 11 at 11:53. Uh, shots on goal with 35 to 19 Lehigh Valley shots. Um, that was amazing. And if I'm not mistaken, last night's game, and I think I tweeted this out that. The Providence Bruins held the best team in the Atlantic Division to ten shots after forty minutes. That Let's was see. Um, after forty minutes, it looks like they had twelve shots. So you're very close. Okay, all right. But, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then the first period. I mean, that was amazing. Seventeen shots to five shots. It's like night, like you said, but kind of a bipolar defense. The defense was almost non-existent. Friday night and then Saturday night it's as if we have the best defense in the whole league yeah it's something that uh that Jay Leach must have must have said uh, behind closed doors that uh really uh, ramped this up because yeah for sure for sure you know I mean you still you still do have to see this team I believe once or twice more the regular season and the potential you know second third round matchup in the call of the cup playoffs so um 
I mean, you need these points regardless, um, and you need to beat teams like that that are going to be in front of you. Mm. Um, the, the power play was, was one for four, and Bennington with the win uh, improves his uh, record to 15-7-1. Uh, he stopped 18 of 19 shots, and uh, 10,472 on hand last night to watch that thumping of the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean that look at the look at the numbers there for the attendance. That's yeah. impressive for a minor league hockey team. And hopefully that grows going into the, the uh two thousand eighteen called the cup playoffs. You know, I, I can only see that happening. Um uh, the the AHL schedule can be so weird and it's a best of five the first round. Right. And right. and I remember watching the Manchester Monarchs and, and, and Providence Bruins uh, a couple of years ago, and it almost seemed that even though they were the higher seed, they were still playing because of travel reasons, and I hate that. Travel reasons gave the advantage in games to the lower seed, which I just mm-hmm. d- don't get in the AHL. But hopefully, you know, with more teams coming into the NHL, is going to call for more teams in the American Hockey League and kind of even things out. And actually, before I get to the, uh, actually, you know what? I'll I'll just say this now, and then I'll I'll mention what we talked about last week. Uh, the next game for the Providence team is uh, Wednesday, March twenty eighth, against the potential Calder Cup first round playoff matchup against the uh, Wilkes Barre Scranton Penguins, uh, and that would be game one of ten remaining on the two thousand seventeen eighteen season. Um, last week we talked about um, the the winning percentage setting the tone for where you sit um you know in, in the in the, in your division well the reason why that is happening is because there is uh teams out west that are only playing 68 games a year ah. all those guys that did the east coast shift over to the west to get their prospects closer they play less games the AHL plays a, and the AHL East plays a seventy-six game regular season, so that had to be factored in. Look at Mark dropping the knowledge today. I'm not going to take credit for that. I cannot take credit for that, and I don't remember who tweeted that to me. I wish I remembered it, and I should have written it down in my show notes. But uh, whoever it was, and if I hope you're listening, um, thank you very much because I did not know that. That actually makes a whole lot of sense, and it kind of explains why winning percentage is being used as the uh, barometer for uh, playoff seedings. That's actually that's that's good. Yeah, I, and, I, and yeah. It, it actually <laughs> sets it actually sets the tone for the conversation of of travel and how important it is for these teams to save money. Right, um, for sure. You know, and that's why we get the Bridgeports twelve games a year. That's why we get the Springfield Thunderbirds twelve games a year. You know, so. It's almost like you have divisions within your divisions. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like you might have, you know, uh, such and such team in your division, but it seems like there's a small subset of teams that will play each other a lot more, just like you said, given the travel circumstances. Like uh, I know that the three um, Pennsylvania teams, Wilkes-Barre, Lehigh Valley, and Hershey – will all do more games against each other because they're in such a easy geographic location for them all to travel to each other pretty reasonably well. 
without much difficulty because they're all in the same state. Yeah. And like we, I, I think I mentioned to you last week, uh, by having teams so close and playing them so much, you're, you're, you're always practicing on a daily basis. No, right. no day is, is, is taken away for travel. So it does make sense to keep the legs moving and everybody in shape uh, for when they get called up or exactly or just game time ready. So exactly. Um, some quick notes on the uh, the baby bees. Uh, Austin Zarnick leads the team with twenty one goals. He leads the team in assists with forty, and he leads the team with sixty one points. And I believe he is still ranked in the top three in AHL scoring. So good for him. Plus minus leader, 29, is Jordan Swartz. He's having an outstanding season. And, uh, I, you know, I'm not a big fan of Tommy Cross. I'll, I'll just tell you that right now. I, I know he's got... We've been over, yeah, we've been over this. He's got, a, he's got a role to play in everything. But I have to say congratulations on um, being... Um, he passed Peter Laviolette for the uh, most points by a player, I believe. Oh, uh, I thought it was most games played by a player. Oh, Oh man, I, I hacked this one up. Uh, <laughs> I I thought it was, I thought it was points, but it could be games. Yeah, I believe it was games. I think they tweeted that out a couple of nights ago. Hang on a second. Cross pass Peter Laviolette for second all time in P Bruins defenseman scoring list. Oh, I was on wrong. March I hacked 16th, that one up. Austin Zarnick also. I- yeah. So. By the way, yeah, Zarnick is a uh, top three. I just. Decided to look that up. Nice. Um, goaltenders games. Uh, Zane McIntyre has 42 minutes. He has 2,437. Uh, GAA goals against average. Jordan Bainton with a 202 save percentage. Jordan Bainton with a 92.7. And wins. Zane has 23 shutouts. Zane has six. Um, another thing I wanted to touch on is is the, the goals per period have really stepped up since um february after that dreadful um january month of games but the first period goals they're leading 55 to 49 second period 57 to 51 third period 68 to 52 so and that's without counting the okay the overtime is uh seven to three and six to two on the shootout. So uh, they've outscored their opponents uh, one hundred ninety three to one fifty seven. So things are starting to ramp up, which is good because with uh, ten games remaining in playoffs, you got to be ready for any scenario. Exactly, you want to be getting hot at the right time, and it really seems like the Providence squad is doing just that. They're peaking for the most part in every category right now when they need to be. So that'll hopefully carry through. April and hopefully right into May. Yeah, that that um that January record four seven zero and one, and that I mean you went eleven two and one in December four seven zero and one in January seven three and zero in in February and so far right now in March, uh you got you know, seven three and zero record so things are starting to heat up. Yep. I think I think it's starting to buy into, you know they want to get this team back to um an Eastern Conference uh, Finals matchup. Exactly. Um, and, and and make that next step to a Calder Cup championship that they haven't won since 98, 99, I believe. 
And I feel like with the prospects that Sweeney's been acquiring in, obviously, the Boston system, that they really have the talent pool to do it, too. They've got so much depth almost at every position now just because of the additions of, say, Sherman, um, Trent Frederick, Yuna Kapanen, um, uh, Cam Cameron Hughes. Hughes. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I mean, all these kids have just been recently added, and now you've got – your your prospect your depth chart in the Providence sphere is so much deeper now than it was say back in January February, right, and and you know I, I really hope the Bruins go as far as they possibly can, oh, but absolutely. if if something happens in in an early round, um you know to chase that that call the cup uh, there are available players in the uh, the Bruins lineup that are that can go down. And it's the playoffs, and I don't believe that there's a waiver priority. So, right, yeah, I think once you get to a certain point in the season, it kind of changes ever so slightly. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure how. So, this is more of me talking, kind of off the cuff, spitballing. But yeah, I think it does change a little bit in the come playoff time. Um, speaking of new prospects, I want. This is kind of a, more of a fun thought than anything else. But you know what I really want to see down in Providence is the defensive pairing of Chris Breen and Wiley Sherman. You've oh. got six eight <laughs> and six seven, tallest defensive pairing in the AHL right there. That would be amazing. Those guys are monsters, man. Oh yeah. Uh, if you uh, maybe I'll tweet out the picture later on. But there's a picture of my wife standing next to Chris Breen, and she's like five three, and she comes up to maybe his. Uh, like ankle <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's funny exactly <laughs> yeah oh, those guys boy, are yeah. monsters but yeah that'd be oh, a great yeah. matchup i'll definitely have to um see if i can send a message to jay leach and see if he Do can it. change that yeah. <laughs> i would love i i've been watching each of the lineups kind of when they public like uh, when mark ever publishes the lineups before each game i've been just hoping to see breen and sherman Side by side, because that would be filthy. Oh yeah! All right, um, going to the East. HL? Yeah, East Coast Hockey League, Atlantic Gladiators. Dan Vladar played in two games last week uh, on Monday, March nineteenth, in a three to two loss in a shootout to South Carolina. Uh, he made thirty three saves on thirty five shots. Um, Thursday, March twenty second, uh, sixty two win in regulation over the. Cincinnati Cyclones, he made 27, 25 saves on 27 shots. Uh, and so far this year, he is uh, 16, 17, 1 and 1, 2.93 goals against average, and a 0.912 save percentage. Uh, the Gladiators have four games remaining in the regular season. And their next game is uh, at home against the Kalamazoo team. So. Uh, the I don't believe the Atlanta Gladiators are going to make the playoffs. I think they're still sitting in ninth in the East Coast League, so um, we definitely see uh, Dan Vladar make the jump to the American Hockey League to join uh, the efforts of uh, Zane McIntyre and Jordan Bennington. I don't think he's going to get any playing time. I think that uh, Jay Leach and the Providence organization are going to roll with the two guys that have gotten them successful this far, so uh, he will be in the mix as like a black ace. So, and if anything, yeah. if anything happens, you know he'll be ready. And he, and he's and he's been playing very well when he's in his time in the in the American Hockey League. So, 
Um, if there's an opportunity for him to play, I'd like to see it. But I, I kind of do want to, even though I'm 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 not happy with the Bennington addition. Uh, you know, he has played very well and helped this organization uh, anytime that he stepped in the crease. So should be fun. And a big shout out to him. He's such a class act. Yeah, Bennington he is. is such a great guy. He just if if you can't if if you got to be be able to speak to a ca- uh, guys off the ice uh, character as well as on the ice character and Bennington's just amazing. I real like if he's ever if he ever listens to this Jordan, you're a fantastic guy. Just everything that you do is just such so classy. So I not only for the play but I'm glad just for the the kind of presence that he brings. I'm 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 glad that he's here. I mean, I understand that it would be nicer to have Dan Vladar playing in that spot, but yeah, this, Bennington, yeah, Bennington's been Bennington's been good. There's definitely a reason for that, and and that and that is up to John Ferguson Jr., who who is running the the uh, Providence franchise, and and regardless of of what I think, in my opinion, I you know I I wish I really wanted to see Vladar take that <laughs> opportunity, but. There might be something there that I'm not seeing. They are professionals. I am not. So, uh, but regardless, I got to give him the guy kudos. He steps into an organization he's never played for and just immediately bought right in. So, um, and it's my my belief and and through the AHL and reading all these articles that the St. Louis Blues will have a uh, an American Hockey League franchise next season. So. I'm assuming that Bennington will probably be their their main guy uh, wherever that team lands, which is totally fine. I'm actually kind of glad that we haven't that Don Sweeney's done nothing to kind of pry Bennington away from the St. Louis Blues organization because we've got enough prospects coming down the pipeline that we don't need him. And it would be a, kind of a waste of a draft pick or what have you to bring him into the fold. I mean, great guy. But I'm glad that we're parting ways at the end of this year. Yeah, definitely. Um, jumping down to the Canadian junior hockey, uh, I only have um, two prospects uh, that I do want to mention that Daniel Bukak is, is a defenseman that plays for Brandon, and he was a, a seventh-round pick of the Bruins in 016, I believe. Um, he, he's a good, solid kid, big defenseman, doesn't score a bunch of points. Um, I, I had a conversation with, um, Brandon son, uh, beat writer, Perry Bjergsen, uh, spoke really highly of him, but he really hasn't gotten into a ton of games because of in, uh, off, off season surgery that mm-hmm. went deep into, um, <clears throat> into the 2017-18 regular season. So, um, best of luck to him. I mean, he's, he, he's definitely going to play a role sometime in the depth shot, uh, moving up, uh, maybe a career AHLer. Uh, I'm not sure. Don't want to set too low standards and I don't want to set too high standards yet because he really hasn't shown me a ton. And I really don't have the opportunity to, to catch a lot of the games, but, uh, I do want to get back into, into that. So, um, he, fortunately, got, uh, I was going to say, fortunately, he has playoffs coming up against the Medicine Hat Tigers. Yeah, and Medicine Hat, they r- trucked over Brandon um, on Friday night, I believe. It was a 7-2 to loss. Oh, yeah. yeah Medi- Medicine that. Hat is really, really good this year. Um, no, I'm sorry. I'm thinking Moose Jaw. Moose no, Jaw Medicine is really Hat's, good. 
Madison Hat's pretty good from what I've seen as well. But regardless, yeah, I mean, they got trucked. Yeah, so I'm not sure when their next game is going to be, but um, hopefully they'll be a little more ready. Um, But in the Ontario Hockey League, uh, we do have two prospects that are uh, with the Oshawa Generals. And uh, on Friday night, uh, March 23rd at the Meridian Center in uh, Niagara, uh, against the Niagara Ice Dogs, uh, the Oshawa Generals fell to them 4-2. to two. Um, Second period goal, Jack Sneaker gets his first of the year at 17-18, and that was a shorthanded goal. And let me tell you, I've seen the highlight video of this, and it was absolutely amazing how he did a spinorama and, and like got so close to the goalie and, and, and got the goal. So... Uh, this kid can can do it all. Um, he's a big, rangy center. Uh, gets in the dirty areas. Real crafty hands, and uh, he's got some speed on him. So, another player that I keep <clears throat> talking about that I really look forward to uh, seeing him either in Providence or uh, or if he makes that uh, ultimate jump to the NHL, which remains to be seen. But uh, the kid's just got a great attributes, and I'm glad that he's a prospect. I'm not. One for hot takes usually, like I try to stay away from it, like cancer. But I think he's got the potential to be our next number one center. Yeah, I'm I mean, that, I could see that. I'm that high on Captain Jack. I really love his game. I mean, thanks to uh, us kind of talking, I've been getting more and more involved in the um, in the OHL prospects. So the more that I see of him, the more that I see that real high end talent from him. Like there's a, there's something special in that kid. And I really love his game. You're right. It's a very complete 200 foot game with the kind of qualities, the leadership qualities, the, uh, the poise. He's got a great shot, good release, good, very good skating abilities. And he has a very, he's got a good IQ at the same time, which is nice that you see this kind of development at an early age from him because you don't always need certain other skills in your toolbox if you have high hockey IQ. You can develop the other toolbox, the other tools later on down the line. And it seems like Captain Jack really has got that kind of high IQ. So it, it's going to be fun to watch him and his development. Like, I really think that he's got top one or two potential easily. Absolutely. Um, not only did he have a second period goal, his first of the uh, 2018 OHL playoffs, he also assisted on uh, Oshawa's Broussard goal on the power play at 1659 um, in the third period. So, um, that was a good, he, I mean, he had a good game even though it lost, but uh, who really kind of struggled to me was Kieser, and and it might have been because of the the Ice Dogs were just a better team. I mean, I mean he made thirty two saves on thirty six shots, um, and I thought the on the other end of the ice, and and I know this kid very well. His name is uh, Stephen Dillon, and he was actually a uh, Bruins uh, camp invite in 2016 and really wowed the crowd um he was so good at camp um that there were multiple uh big outlets reporting on him and how well he did so uh he it's not indicative of of what he does in the ohl it's what he can do outside in a professional environment so 
I was kind of upset that he's still undrafted. Uh, and even though I got to see him in Boston and, and, and talk with him uh, and, and family members that traveled from where he lives in, um, I believe, in the New York area, um, that he wasn't picked up, wasn't signed, nothing. So, But he's having a decent season over in, in Niagara. And it's, you know, still undrafted. I, I can't believe that. But uh, he's been rumored to uh, be an appearance at uh, Pittsburgh Penguins camp last summer. So uh, he, I'm sure he'll get signed sooner or later. Mm. Uh, but Keezer, this is this is this, the thing about goaltending in this series. It, it's going to come down to it. Um, it doesn't matter how many goals you score and so on. Of, of course it does, but it, it, what I'm trying to say is if if you put the backup goaltender in, which I don't know his name, you're not winning the series. You're not even going to have a chance. Keys has been so important to this uh, Oshawa team this season, uh, regardless of his injuries and time off. Um, he's really uh, backstop uh, a really good year and 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 first as a, uh, as everyone's prospect when he signed a free agent deal back in September of uh, 2017 so or october of 2017 um but uh, these guys Oshawa gets back on the ice uh for game two today sunday march 25th at 2 p.m from the meridian center uh against uh niagara so hopefully they can tie this this series up and um and, and make it make it make a run so like to see them keep playing but then again if they if they do happen to bow out a little bit uh, for um, unfortunate circumstances, then those guys are, are are available too to join the Providence Bruins for at least the workouts and and be around the environment. So exactly, yeah. So it would put them in kind of that professional environment. Maybe they'll do an ATO like they did with um, uh, who, why am I blanking on them? Like Trent Frederick and yep. uh, Cam Hughes and all that. But I mean, it would be great. Yeah, it would really be great for the uh, Oshawa squad to kind of split the series away and then you're a little bit less frantic when you come home you don't have to really play with your hair on fire although you should because it's the playoffs but you're a little bit more relaxed coming home if you're not down 2-0 so it's been good to see the play of these kids I mean you watch them and you get really you get even that more excited for the future I mean as Bruins fans thanks to Don Sweeney we've been blessed to have such a deep prospect spoiled oh yeah that's a good word for it (laughs) (laughs) and you watch like the kids in this in the junior leagues and the developmental leagues and you say worse and this is like what we have now isn't even the full picture of what prospects were we look forward to coming down the line like i'm just I'm amazed at the drafting and developing that's gone on in just the past, what, three years or so? Yeah. I remember when Shirelli was fired in uh, 15, and it was kind of a dark time because the next year was brutal. The year after that was when we were introduced to McAvoy, and then it began to all make sense, and you begun to really see the picture of this team develop. And as you start to watch... Uh, like you were saying, Brandon and the ECHL and the OHL, you get that fuller picture of, boy, we're not even close to the full picture of what we can be in the future. We're really getting restocked in such an amazing way. So, yeah, the it's going to be exciting to watch. Absolutely. Um, I have to 
apologize for last week because I did mention that the NCAA uh, playoffs were over for all of the the Bruins prospect, and I, it was a big lie. Uh, University of Michigan, uh, Jack Becker. Oh, I um, forgot about him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> last last night, his uh, Wolverine team beat Northeastern three to two and knocked the uh, the Huskies out of uh, the postseason NCAA postseason uh, on March twenty fourth in Worcester, Mass. Uh, next game is today, March twenty fifth against Boston University uh, from the DCU Center in Worcester, Mass. So. Uh, the Delwood, Minnesota native had eight goals, four assists, 12 points in the 2017-18 regular season and has uh, one goal in these playoffs uh, dating back to the Big Ten tournament uh, against uh, Wisconsin. So uh, this is his freshman year. Um, he's just been the kind of a hit-or-miss guy. I think he's, he's still learning the game. I thought his game... Um, with the uh, Sioux Falls uh, Stampede, I think that was the team that he played for uh, in the United States Hockey League, um, was better, uh, but the adjustment uh, might have slowed things down. So I I, I, I kind of want to project him. And he's a late-round pick, so I kind of want to project him to be uh, better offensively uh, sophomore and junior year. So um, big, rangy center. Uh, he's got. He does have a lot of in particular attributes that you can focus on, but uh, he's by far a, a Frederick or a, a Fitzgerald or anything like that down that we have now in Providence. So it, it just, I mean, look at, look at Pavel Datsuk. That guy was a seventh round pick and look how his career turned out. You know, you never yeah. really know with these players until you actually <laughs> see the full potential. I think um, there was a, there was a line that came Trent Frederick said that I wrote about in, in, the, in one of my midweek articles that it boils down to it doesn't matter where your draft position is. It matters what you do with the opportunity that you're given. I know that's kind of like, uh, you know, motivational BS at times, but he's really got it. Like it if you can develop your own skills with the opportunities and the talents that you have, you can be Pavel Datsuk. Absolutely. And I, I don't doubt it. I don't doubt that any of these kids can develop and become NHL mainstays as long as they're willing to really work at it. And that's kind of what Don Sweeney's built. It seems like a lot of these kids are really high character, kind of high quality prospects in terms of they've got great ethic. They've got great work ethic. They've got a good head on their shoulders and maybe one, um, I'm thinking of one, uh, I don't want to mention his name, but you can think of one that maybe doesn't have quite that character mold, but uh, it just seems like a lot of them have a really great sense of just camaraderie with their teammates and a lot of the intangibles. And then you can build the tangibles from there. If you don't have a good head on your shoulders, then I don't think you're going to go very far. So it's it's not only that Don Sweeney's building a good skilled team but he's also building a good character team as well and you kind of see him with that with the uh with the boston bruins team right now like i was talking to ty again here just to bring that conversation up again and he was saying that the room is just so excited to be there and to go to work in the morning and to play their game and to play for each other that i think that's what kind of that sweeney's not only building 
a team, but he's also building a culture along to along with that team. And it's not quite the big bad Bruins of old, but it's a team that wants to be there and a team that loves putting on that spoked B and going out and playing every night for their teammates and for their pride as well. So I think it speaks to a lot of kind of the development and drafting that we've done is that it's not only we've kind of picked up kids with good tools and toolbox in their toolbox, but kids who've got a lot of character behind them and who contribute to that room in addition to contributing on the score sheet. Absolutely. And, and we can both attest to one player that just absolutely surprised. It surprised me particularly. Um, I knew the kid was going to sign. I just didn't think it was going to be possible or have room for him to play this year. And that's Ryan Donato. Yep. I, I thought for sure that he was going to be one of those guys that starts to his professional career at, you know, the start of the 2018, 19 season, but injuries like last year promoted certain players like McAvoy and so on. So and this was the same type of scenario. And, and, you know, I got killed on Twitter for it. It, it was actually really funny to, to hear everybody. Oh, there's no room for him. I'm like, yeah, but you know, when you talk to me in, in February and in, in January and February, this was a pretty seamlessly you know healthy team and exactly. there wasn't much room for him. So regardless of what part of the season this conversation had, um, you know, it was just, it's unfortunate that all these injuries are happening and, but it's fortunate that he's getting in there now. And from a lot of people that I've, I, I read that are closer in the Boston Bruins, uh, locker room, uh, are saying that, you know, this might be his idea of let's get this done now because even he believes this team has a chance to win a Stanley cup and he wants to be a part of that. Yeah, absolutely. If you have any chance to be part of that, that why not? That Stanley Cup, exactly. <laughs> you can contribute even in the smallest way towards a playoff push that could end up in, you know, another Stanley Cup. Do it. And here's a little humble brag. I gotta say, uh, I was there for uh, McAvoy's first professional goal, um, DeBrusque's first professional goal. And now Donato's first professional goal. So uh, I, I got to keep going to the garden because, like, I'm, I'm definitely a good luck charm for these kids. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, um, Mr. Luck Charm, we're going to wrap it up this week. Yep. Um, thank you so much again for joining me. I look forward to talking to you next week about, about pretty much the players that we discussed this week. Exactly. Um, yeah, see how things change in a week. Yeah. Um, uh, follow uh, Josh's writings at shippingupthecauseway.com. He's also on blackandgoldhockey.com website as a contributor. Happy to have him. Uh, your numbers are really, really good when you post, so keep up the awesome work. You know, yeah. I've noticed actually that, um, just kind of shout you out, that numbers on my site go up when you post stuff on your site. So it's not only helping you, but it's also helping me in a big way. So another, like, thank you, Mark. Appreciate no problem. The, uh, One hand washes the other, my friend. You're a, yes, you're a solid addition to this prospect hour, and, and I, I, I'm just thrilled to have you. So um, you should be thrilled to follow Josh, too. He's at 2 Causeway on Twitter. Uh, fantastic follow. Um, does a lot of watching, just like me. He's a, he's a Providence Bruins junkie, so if you want to know anything, tweet at him and ask him he's uh he's always good to um uh, you know initiate contact so and if i don't know i know who to ask to get you the answer right which is not me no <laughs> i'm just kidding i'm just kidding <laughs> all we right mark we're gonna wrap it up thank you so much and uh, i really look forward to next week yeah already hyped about it all right dude i'll talk to you later
Sounds good, man. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's show. You can follow the guys on Twitter at Black and Gold 277, at Court Lalonde, and at Rob Forty Bruins. You can also send us an email to the show's account at blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com.